your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. Hi everyone, welcome to special presentation with Mike and Ethan, or... Elf will not be seen tonight. Oh boy, it's December now, or at least it is when we're, when you'll be listening to this, it sure isn't when we're recording, we're really ahead of ourselves this time. We're doing that's good, good for once, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, this is, you know, for once we are not flying by the seat of our pants, that's right, you're but, gonna get uh, the, the good stuff, not a bunch of filler episodes where we have to like... <laughs> You know, bring it, you know, Shanghai, like, I don't know, Travis and Morbius and Steph to come in and, like, um, pick up the slack for us. We're actually doing <laughs> Carry shit our now. dead weight. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I can't. They're all, well, all, uh, I, I just, like, I'm just slagging our friends for no, actually, I guess I'm not. I'm saying they're better than us, I yes. guess. Well, anyway, sorry, we're, we're, we're talking uh, Christmas because we're ahead of the schedule. We're talking Christmas, and you and we have gone on record as you are not a fan of Christmas, and I am, but I acknowledge it has serious problems. Yeah, that is, uh, yes, I think that's the breakdown. I, I say Christmas is for the birds. I say, call me a bird then. But <laughs> Let me tell you what's wrong with Christmas. <laughs> Let me tell you what's wrong with it. Um, everything. Um, no, you know what it is. I mean, it's like, um, I... It's Christmas is fine if you're a child or probably a parent, but when you're neither of those things, it's uh, it can get tedious. That's my feeling on it. Um, yeah, that's kind of the thing about all holidays, though. Is I mean, like, you know, what was the last time you went out and did something special for Easter and you didn't have any kids? Yeah, that's true. I mean, really, what it comes down to is if you don't have kids, the only good holidays, I mean, Halloween is still pretty good without kids. Um, you know, if, because, you, you know, you can go to, like, do Halloween stuff. Like, you can go to a party. Mm -hmm. You can go to a graveyard. You can go to a party in a graveyard. Go to a monster <laughs> party. Lots of cool stuff on Halloween. And I guess Valentine's Day is kind of an adult holiday, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we encourage kids to, uh, well, they have the Valentine exchange, but you're required to give one to everyone, even the ones you hate. Oh, yeah, I so. remember that. <laughs> Oh man, did I ever tell you when I uh when I was in fourth grade, there was this one girl who sent like hate Valentines to everyone in the class? She rules. Wow. She does. But the funniest thing is there was uh except for me, she sent me one she said one mine said love. So um, she said so mine said love. There were two people who got friendship and everyone else got hate ones. She got in big oh, trouble. Geez. Um, I was, it was I, worth it though. I was, uh, I was very embarrassed cause I was like, Oh, uh, cause I was in fourth grade and I was like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not really into this girl. I mean, I was also uh, 10 years yeah. old, so I wasn't really into anyone, but, um, I just remember that like, she, she was, this, I knew her. I think she was one of those, this girl who was kind of weird. She was like one of those people who kind of sits in the back of the class and doesn't 
I don't know. She she had some issues, but I think I was one of the few people who like wasn't actively mean to her. So that's probably why she sort of crushed on me for a little bit. Um, anyway, that uh, was you. Sorry, that was you. <laughs> it was a very different time. <laughs> but uh, you know, that was that was when I was I was actually nice when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> I got I turned into an <laughs> asshole when I got older. But the um, but. Uh, yeah, I remember she got in trouble and she said that like her her sister had s- sabotaged all her valentines before she sent them out, which may or may convenient. not be the case. I mean, it's convenient. <laughs> um, anyway, it's not like we dated or anything. I just knew yeah. her for, you know, fourth grade. Then I moved. So I don't know whatever yeah. happened to uh, Barbara Wolf. Good. Hopefully <laughs> she's doing fine wherever she is. I don't know. Should Hopefully I say her full she, name? She fully transitioned into a wolf. <laughs> I, I was going to, well, I shouldn't say her name, but I guess there are probably a lot of Barbara wolves out there. So, Oh yeah. So I guess I had a, I had a situation a little like that where I got, you know, more, I actually got more Valentines in third grade than there were kids in the classroom. And oh, wow. one of them was, yeah. And one of them was unsigned and it was my favorite Valentine ever. It was an Alf Valentine that said, you're okay for someone without fur, but <laughs> that's pretty great. On the ba- but on the back, the sender of the Valentine had written, but please grow some. <laughs> <laughs> is, either is that why you decided to grow a beard? Well, I mean, let me tell you, anytime anyone wants to grow a beard, it's just about hiding your chin. But, <laughs> but yeah, and it was signed, love me. I never figured out who wow. me was, but my suspicion is that it was the girl who self-identified as the class bully. Interesting. Yes. Wait, so, so she self-identified, <laughs> she wa- she was like, wanted to be a bully. Yeah, and we we kind of admitted, you know, we just let each other ourselves uh, identify ourselves however we want. I wanted to, I didn't want to be the class clown. I declared myself the class comedian, and everyone uh, indulged me on that. Nice, so. I can see that though. That scans. So yeah, I was just like, wow, somebody like, and I also had a regular Valentine from this same person. So if it was her, she sent me too. So, wow. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you know, she's, uh, maybe she didn't want to look all mushy, you know, it would jeopardize her reputation as the class bully. Yeah. Well, well, maybe, maybe it was more bully like to encourage me to grow fur. I don't know. Oh, maybe (laughs) she was, she was like, I'll show him. Oh, he's going to feel so (laughs) bad on himself that he can't grow fur. Well, I mean, maybe she saw my dad and figured I had a shot. <laughs> Is your dad a uh, a hairy guy? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not the less I'm not the least hairy guy you've ever seen either. But uh, <laughs> I'm I, he's got he's got a, a number on me. So, <laughs> well, you know, that's part of being a dad. Yep. Oh um, man, if I ever have kids, I'm gonna have to grow a lot more fur. Woo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh man i can't so anyway we've derailed completely to the wrong holiday so ah whatever yeah but it's still kind of on topic because it's about children being cruel or not so cruel yes uh that's right there that's that's kind of um a thing in this one because today um we are looking at yes virginia there is a santa claus and there are multiple specials by this name, but this is the one from 1974 by our old friend Bill Melendez. Yeah, so this is Bill Melendez breaking away from his Peanuts shackles. 
This is him. Uh, I'll show, show that Charles Schultz. I don't need him. <laughs> oh, uh, or maybe this predates Peanuts. I'm not really sure. This is uh, 74. No, it's, it's about five years after uh, after Charlie Brown Christmas, I'd say. Okay. So uh, so this, um, how close is this in time to Molly and the Skywalkers? Because it definitely. It's about eight years. It's about 10 years ahead. The okay. first Molly and the Skywalkers was from 85. And then the second was from 89. Mm, okay, so uh, but this kind of feels like the, the the lost third Skywalker's short, doesn't it? Yes, I felt like Virginia in this had Big Molly energy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of the kids was very much what's his name with the glasses. Yeah, actually, all the kids kind of look like the Skywalkers, or at least analogs of the Skywalkers. You've got yeah, what's his name with the glasses? You've got the boy. You've got the black kid, you've got the Asian kid. I think the Skywalkers had like a really shrimpy kid too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. The one who was the, the one that they, uh, was their proof that uh, when your parents start uh, arguing over money, it means there's going to be a baby. Right, right. So yeah, um, this is, this, so yeah, there's a lot of, um, this is kind of a dry run for the Skywalkers, I feel like. Yeah. And um, once again, Bill Melendez doesn't get to include any Latino kids in his, in his thing. Well, this was um, this was made you said in 1974, so this predated the inclusion of Latinos on television. That's you know? true, because I think we've, it's, we've just, it's oh, strange when you do stuff that's you often see this kind of like you know very a lot of diversity in a community when you're doing something that takes place at the turn of the century, like uh, like Lady and the Tramp kind of has that going on too, if you've noticed. Oh, well, I know there are Italians in it. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's Italians, and then there's, like... And, and then Tramp talks about visiting an Irish family and stuff like that, but... Uh, oh, that's true, yes. I, for, um, I forget, does Lady of the Tramp take place in New York? It seems I always like assumed it. it did. I mean, it takes place... I don't think they ever say. It, it's just a large turn-of-the-century city with, you know... Um, with uh, mm-hmm. the sort of immigrant populations that you would expect to find in a large turn of the century city, yeah. So uh, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. But, so yeah, we have a story that takes place. This is a very fictionalized version of something that actually did happen, and is one of the best known letters to the editor of all time. You probably already have heard the Yes Virginia letter. Yes. Um, so basically, should we? I think just in case, because we have some children listening who are not familiar with this, um, mm-hmm. I think we should basically go through the idea thing is that uh, Vir- Virginia was a an actual little girl um, around, mm-hmm. I think, the late 1800s, late 1890 or so, I think, is when this takes place. I think so, yes. And uh, she wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Sun uh, saying, you know, my name is Virginia. I'm what, eight years old. Some of my little friends say, some of my little friends say that there's no Santa Claus. Yeah. Which is a weird turn of phrase. Um, according to Wikipedia, that's led some people to think that, uh, Virginia's father actually wrote the letter, but I always assumed it was just a weird turn of phrase. Like how older people talk about, like older women talk about their female friends and call them girlfriends. You know, yeah, and how things, things from the nineteen hundred to nineteen fifties, they used the word "kitty" a lot. Like, here's something for the kitties. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a thing, wasn't it? 
What an odd. And there, and it was, yeah, an official word like, uh, you know, the little pedal driven cars for children to run around. They're called kitty cars. It's, it's mentioned in the song. Santa Claus brings kitty cars. Oh, when he comes huh. to town. Wow. I didn't realize that was an official term. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so Virginia writes this letter and she, and an answer is 1897, 1890. Oh, wait, thank you. 1897. And the New York sun, uh, actually replies or it doesn't reply, but it's published. And there's a response from editor Francis Farcellus church, um, which is basically basi- the gist of the letter. The answer is that Santa Claus does in fact exist. And, um, apparently it was not very highly placed, um, in the newspaper, it was on uh, the seventh page below an ad for the newly invented chainless bicycle. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and apparently um, Francis church, the guy who answered the letter was actually very uh, reluctant to have his name put on it because he was apparently in real life, a hardened cynic and atheist who had little patience for super superstitious beliefs and didn't even want to write this editorial, but I guess he got stuck with it, and it's gone on to be one of the most reprinted editorials in the English language. Um, I don't think we need to read the whole thing because it's no. long, and you can. Just, it is pretty long. Yeah. yeah, go go look it up. It we we it's famous. We've given you enough information that you can find it yes. online now. Um, it is quite long, and even the actual special doesn't repeat the whole thing in full. Yeah, I noticed because in the special, uh, I was kind of I was listening to it at the end, and I was like, you know what? I'm this this this. I don't get why this was so big. It's not much of an answer. But then I read the actual editorial, and it's like, okay. I mean, I can I can see why this gels with people so much, you know? Because um, you know, I'll say this: I'm not a big fan of of Christmas as a, uh, you know, as, you know, because for reasons that I've articulated, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a lot of Christmas spirit, but I will say that a lot of the Christmas, um, paraphernalia, the, or, or stories that have kind of stood the test of time, things like the Grinch or, uh, uh, you know, the, um, a Christmas Carol or night mm-hmm. or night before Christmas. Those, those are good. Those, those, those actually, I have, you know, I read them and I'm like, I get these, I get this, this, this hits me in a place and I can understand why these are repeated every year and they make people feel a very certain way. And reading this, this, the full, um, editorial, I can, I can kind of see why it's, it's, it strikes people and keeps getting reprinted. Um, though I will say also, it's interesting that uh, Francis Church's argument for Santa Claus is basically that he's like some sort of Lovecraftian deity that we that is imperceivable by humans. I I'm I'm up for that. I mean, we've mentioned on this uh, on this podcast before that Halloween and Christmas are cousins and used to share many of the same. Uh, Many of the same traditions, you know, how Christmas used to be the time when you told ghost stories, which is, you know, again, cited in the in the Christmas Carol that there's scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And that trick-or-treating got its start as souling, which later got devolved into both uh, trick-or-treating and going caroling. And an awful lot of uh, it's it's all part of the same family of uh, 
you know, winter and, you know, the, the crossover between fall and winter is the time when the, the, the wall between here and the spirit world is the thinnest. Yeah. And we should bring sometimes that back. The, yeah. And sometimes the spirits take the form of something like the great pumpkin. And sometimes they're something more, something more genial like Santa Claus. So I guess you could, I like to think of Christmas as being a sort of, I guess, a hope punk version of Halloween. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? I can, <laughs> I can accept that. Um, yeah. Um, I know you're not a big fan of hope punk, but hope punk where you get presents, you know, that's better. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, okay. I mean, okay. Oh, oh, I like, I like the, um, the, 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 the turn of phrase there is, is kind of <laughs> good. Good way to think of it. Um, I like the analogy. Um, but yeah, the, the, Basically, it's Santa Claus, he's saying, is like, you, you can't conceive of him. Our mind, our human minds are too limited to understand the, 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 the truth, the, the, the um, you know, universal cosmic truth of Santa Claus. Um, but anyway. Um, the so that- yeah, the last paragraph of the, say, of the uh, actual article is, No Santa Claus? Thank God he lives and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. And kind of interesting to think that Santa Claus will probably outlive the North Pole. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) In the future, when kids live in space, I think we're going to decide that Santa lives in the Oort cloud. (laughs) Hey, well, yeah, why not? (laughs) <laughs> uh, so uh ethan have you read the uh the full uh editorial have you or yes i've read it i've read it a few times and one thing that i think is very interesting about this actual editorial is how much it echoes i've gone on record as not being the world's biggest terry pratchett fan mm-hmm. but i do like the hogfather speech if you know that one um i believe so i think i know the one you're talking about yes it's it's the it's the one where death taking taking the role of the santa claus like hogfather suggests the idea suggests that we have you know concepts like you know personified versions of death and generosity like himself and the hogfather because we tell ourselves little lies in order to believe the big ones like justice and mercy and that's it. That is an interesting way of looking at it. And I see echoes of that in the yes, Virginia speech. Oh, you know, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but it, it does kind of, um, cause it, it's the same thing. It's talking about, um, you know, th- things like the, the necessity of belief and things like fairies and Santa Claus to, um, you know, later on lead to faith, fancy, poetry, love, romance, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 um, I guess it's, um, it's a good editorial. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I, sorry, go on. Oh no, no. I was going to say, I'm not as, I'm not a big enough cr- curmudgeon to be like, yeah, fuck Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, who did write an angry editorial saying, no, Virginia, there is no Santa Claus. Good old Andy Rooney. He would. Oh my God. <laughs> God, Andy Rooney. Talk about talk about a guy who just like who just ossified into like the 
biggest curmudgeon. I mean, he started out as a curmudgeon. That was like his gimmick. But whoa, did he he just went full curmudgeon. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember? Do you ever watch his uh, thing on 60 Minutes? You remember that? Oh, yeah. All the time. I, I saw him. I saw him uh, trying to uh, trying to tell us that real Ghostbusters had bad toys. What? Oh, of course he would. That's that's. <laughs> I love that. That's transparently untrue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he said uh, he had something like, uh, "Now these are Kenner's mini traps. You see, you sit it down here, and you open the mouth, and then you tell your little brother to press down on the tongue, and it bites him and makes him cry. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> God, just you know what? I mean." We all we all age, you know. Time time is a beast, a ravenous beast chasing us all. But like, God, just imagine being Andy Rooney. Imagine being like <laughs> old for your entire life, you know. You, you know what? I don't understand. Why do they allow the Reese's Company to call it a peanut butter cup when there's significantly less than eight ounces of peanut butter in each one? Did he actually say that? No, I'm just making this up on the fly. Oh, that was a good one. That's 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 like a real Rooneyism. Um, one of my favorite Andy Rooney, um, you know, a few minutes with Andy Rooney was yeah. when he was like, and I swear to God, I am not even making this up. He he did one. He's like, I noticed that people tend to carry things a lot. I'm out on the street and people are carrying things like purses, suitcases, bags of groceries and he literally went on for like you know the whole five minutes about how people are carrying things these days and it was weird because it's like i do not believe that this is a new development uh humans have had opposable thumbs for like thousands of years i don't think we just started carrying stuff andy maybe you weren't paying attention for your first hundred years of life but i i guarantee it's not a new thing now I have two theories here, two hypotheses. One is that he he forgot to actually write something this week and just kind of got into a groove on, okay, eventually I'm going to go somewhere with this. So I'm just going to keep listing things people are carrying. And But he didn't get anywhere, and then his time was up. God. The you other is that he had a stroke in the middle of it. Well, and, well, yeah. I bet Andy Rooney probably was just having mini strokes constantly when you like <laughs> hear him talk. God. But he um, had them like hiccups. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you remember when they like he? I forgot what he did. He went on like I think he went on sixty minutes and said something like, "Oh, what if you know?" I think he, he literally went on and was like, "They should put the Italians in camps or something like that." I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Some like awful like racist thing and they were like andy rooney we are we are gonna we're going to um you know give you a little slap on the wrist you can't appear on 60 minutes for like three episodes and the uh, america's like geriatric um contingent just like absolutely lost their minds and apparently like 60 minutes like lost so much in the ratings that they were like andy rooney please come back immediately they and they were and he came back and was like ah now I can be racist against anyone and no one can stop me and then he's all like what have you ever noticed that there's a lot of black people in America these days that's not an actual thing that he said possibly Good. I don't know I would have to look up and figure out to remember who he was actually racist against I'm I'm going to just guess yeah completely just that he probably said something about black people. That's probably I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the race that Andy Rooney 
noticed the most, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I will... That's one of the reasons that uh, ev- that America's policy of of slavery eventually narrowed to just black people because you can see them. You see, yeah. they are not like us. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I feel like Andy Rooney. I just, I'm just saying, like Andy Rooney. He's imagine the two thousand year old man. He's he's out ambling about, and I just feel like who who would catch his eye the most if he's going to be racist against someone. And I'm sure that he was, I'm sure he reserved some racism against, you know, Asians or Latinos or, um, uh, uh, the, the Romani or the Sicilians, (laughs) you know, I'm sure he had plenty to go around, but I just feel like he probably would have the, the lion's share for black people especially if they were wearing their baseball caps backwards, you know? Oh, and if their pants weren't pulled all the way up. There's nothing that triggers old people more than those those pants and baseball hats. They really do not like yeah. that. I mean, that just, that just puts them over the moon. They just get so angry about that. Man, and Andy- that's why I started doing it too. <laughs> oh my God, to, to make old people angry? Uh, yeah, well, I... Uh, I think I uh, I didn't have a hat on, but I heard somebody complaining about uh, some pants at a bus station once, so I would just kind of casually got up and pulled mine down a little and sat down again. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was like sixteen, so it just seemed, seemed like a snotty kid. But you know, if I if I'd been an adult, it would have had more power. Well, still, you know, well, you know what? When you're a kid, if you're not, you gotta like stick it to the man, or else, what's the point of yeah. being a kid? Um, Anyway, so 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 Andy Rooney, uh, but he's unrelated to the thing we're we're ostensibly talking about this week, <laughs> which is yeah. We, well, we've talked. I guess we've talked about the editorial, which is kind of like a comic strip. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a stronger connection than usual. At least it's something that was in a paper. Oh, I thought that our connection was that Bill Melendez made it because he yeah, was that involved too. In yeah. So actually, there's yeah, two we're... connections. So. Um, good on us. We are being thematic yes. this week. Uh, <laughs> th- now, we mentioned this was a, a highly fictionalized version of the story. Um, this actually came out in... So this came out in 74, and uh, Virginia actually died in 71. So this was very oh. shortly after um, the actual Virginia uh, passed passed away. She was, I think, about 80, 86 or 88. So you know, she lived a yeah. full life, um, which is... Interesting, because it's like if if they'd been a little, I mean, if it come out a little earlier, they actually could have consulted her about what had happened. But, you know, I mean, as fictionalized as this is, I don't think the actual story is probably that different. It's it's literally she wrote a, a letter and they answered it. That's the whole thing. Yeah, there's not much else to this and they really do have to kind of pad it out a little. Yeah. Um, so anyway, a lot. Yes. Um, and, well, they had to pad it up to 22 minutes and Ethan, I, I understand that this padding was too much for you to bear. Well, it wasn't so much the padding so much as, I mean, it starts right away. Like the very first thing that happens, well, no, the very first thing that happens is we get this, uh, you know, jolly announcer being like, welcome to the planet earth. Oops, excuse me. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> and which is, you know, there's, there's some padding for you right there. And he starts, 
starts talking about how this is a real story that really happened. And it's called, Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus. He says, reading the title as it appears. And then we get, like, directed by Bill Melendez. And I'm disappointed that the... uh, the narrator didn't just keep continue with directed by Bill Melendez, produced by Lee Mendels. Oh, you don't want me to read this part? Because <laughs> did that that um, <laughs> that jolly kind of uh, Erzatz Jim Backus voice that he has? Not Erzatz. It is Jim Backus. Wait, for real? That was Jim Backus. Yeah. Oh, holy shit! Okay. <laughs> I this whole time I, I I did not realize that was Jim Backus. So I guess apparently he sounds a lot more like himself than I thought. <laughs> well, I mean Jim Backus, we owe a lot to him because you know the very one of the very first Christmas specials ever was Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Really? Yeah, huh. I guess we should watch that someday. Um, actually, they, they probably already did that on uh, on Advent Calendar House. So check that first of you before you see ours. Yeah, man. So so Jim Backus, um, voice of Mister Magoo, uh, Thurston Howell the Third from Gilligan's Island, uh, many other. Oh, he was? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, many other things too. He's had a long he had a long and storied career in um, you know film and television and animation. So. Um, and he's, he's back in this, um, narrate uh, as the narrator. Um, and yeah. I, I, um, and he's introducing us to, um, uh, to Virginia, uh, who is a little girl. She's at school. Uh, her teacher, Mrs. Taylor wants everyone to write a, a story about, or something about Christmas. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they have to write something about Christmas. Even the ones who don't celebrate Christmas, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, it's the turn of the century. It's not like uh, I mean, they're not, very not like woke. we weren't doing that in the eighties too. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious that like uh, we have no respect for our, the pluralistic society in which we live. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so, but the kids all laugh at Virginia because she wants to write about how she believes in Santa Cl- or why she believes in Santa Claus. I think is what she says. Yeah, I mean. Anyway. Which, spoiler, she doesn't. She doesn't write about why she believes in Santa at all, because uh, the laughter throws her into a crisis of faith over whether she even believes or not. I don't think she actually ever writes an essay, does she? At no, least... she doesn't. Instead, yeah, she she turns in the she turns in the the uh, editorial instead as a sort of you know I guess it's the equivalent of Bill and Ted just presenting the actual historical figures <laughs> they never they never got around to writing the report <laughs> I mean it's uh you know it's like hey hey if you can get away with it um, <laughs> but yeah so uh so the kids all make fun of her and um so we get our our this gang of kids that's kind of given her guff there's the main bully Billy he's just Billy the bully Billy the bully He's, he's a boy. He's mean to Virginia because he's got an older brother who tells him that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Um, then there's then there's like Specs, um, who's ba- basically kind of this, um, you know, kind of a, the nerdy kid who's a yes man. So he says yeah, something. Yeah, he's really wishy-washy. He agrees with ev- everything, whatever the last person said. Yeah, exactly. He's got that Trump thing going on where th- <laughs> the last person to like have his attention is like, he's like, that's that's the correct one. Uh, man, woman, lion, horse. <laughs> and then um, who else do we got? We've got, uh, there's another girl. Arthur. Like, 
Oh, Arthur. Arthur is the Asian kid, I think, right? Yes. I'm guessing Chinese because we later see his family and they actually own a Chinese restaurant or oh, a chop yeah. suey house, as they were called at the time. Right, right. Um, and that would, I mean, turn of the century, mo- I think most Asian uh, immigrants in the States would probably you have a lot more Chinese than any other group. Yes. I think. Yeah, that was, that was the first wave of immigrants. And then we had, and then later on, you have the immigrants from Korea and Vietnam. And uh, lately, lately, I think it's been largely, as far as Asian immigrants go, I think it's largely been Hmong. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Got a lot of them. Um, but uh, so these, yeah. So I think we can assume that Arthur is, is Chinese, especially since his family has a Chinese restaurant. It's a fair assumption. Yeah. Um, Arthur Which, you know, not, is not impossible. They would be something else, but you never know. Not impossible. I mean, they may have been, they came over like, look, Americans only know Chinese food. If we're going to, if we're going to make a restaurant, we got to like, you know, <laughs> We yeah. got, we gotta, we gotta pass, I guess, for Chinese, which gets <laughs> very problematic. But like a great concept for a sitcom, if anyone is like, hey, just out there, like, oh, it's it's hilarious. This is gonna be hilarious. It's like have like a family of, uh, I don't know, um, uh, Filipino immigrants, but they gotta pretend to be Chinese so that the Americans will eat in their restaurant, so they can be like doing all these hilarious Chinese stereotypes, but they don't realize that they're wrong. And they can get away with it because they're Asian and Americans can't tell. That's right. Exactly. In fact, you know, because like it sounds like when we describe it, it sounds pretty terrible. Like this sounds awful, right? But you have to understand that it's actually ironic. So that makes it secretly woke. So it's actually good. (laughs) <laughs> um anyway it's a good thing no one listens to our podcast because we're gonna get fucking canceled yeah. well it's not like well, it's not like we're producing this terrible racist show we're inventing no we're just we're just giving people the ideas we're saying if you're out there making a if there's some producer out there who wants to make a terrible racist television show and i know there are lots of producers who want to do that because i've seen television i mean i know what they put on it um this is a this is a good one for you. Re- reach reach a, an audience of you know re- reach the new racist audience. I guess you know I don't know. Anyway, but Arthur is um he's drawn in the way that Asian kids were drawn in the seventies. Um, and I I don't want to say that it's it's uh oh it's a little um you know what I mean he's he looks like. You know, they give him the little the slanty eyes. They give him kind of buck teeth. It's not the worst uh, depiction of his Asian kid in old media, but it's definitely of its time. You know. Yeah, I, they could they could have done a lot better with him, but yeah. I mean, no, I really feel I like mean, if they just not put the teeth in, they they it would have been fine. You know. Yeah, they didn't do the teeth ten years later with Darlene. So. Oh, thank God. Okay, they learned. So that's good, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it could but have been. He does a lot do the thing where he presses his hands together all the time. Oh, they did. They did that, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. Like our again, Arthur. You, you watch it, and it's like it's not like a poisonous depiction of uh, a Chinese character. It's not like you know. It's it's not like um, you know malicious. But it's definitely very dated. Yeah, it's not like jujitsu or anything like that. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just you watch it and you're kind of like, 
Ooh. Mm. Mm. You know, it's the sort of thing where when mm-hmm. he says to his father, like, ah, honorable father, it's like, Okay. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, um, so he's one of these Did kids. Did you catch the black girl's name? Amy. Amy. Okay. So there, and there's... she has no role whatsoever, really. No. She is here. She does agree with Virginia. She is the one kid who takes Virginia's side in this. and um, But she doesn't actually make any argument to, to no, it. No. She's she sounds, just... She, she kind of comes across as like Virginia's muscles. Like, yeah, you, you get too close to Virginia. I'm going to beat your face in. Yeah. I mean, to be, to be honest, I feel, I mean, this is, maybe this is me being, being Andy Rooney esque, but I feel like when they were making this special, they were like, okay, we need a black character because you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta have a, a black, black character in here. Um, just one, just one. Right. And it's like, okay, we gotta have one. We, just we can't. One. Yeah, we can't make her look bad. Though. Have you ever seen something? So with a- she's going to take Virginia's side. Yeah. She's not going to do anything. She's just there. But you know, um, so you know, it's it's it. But anyway, she's in this. She doesn't do anything. Have you ever seen anything where you have a group of black characters with one white person as part of the group? Um, because you see the opposite all the time. I and, but but you never see like a token white person in a group of. I have seen that one time. No, two times, actually. Um, oh. One is um, the beloved cartoon series, Hammer Man. <laughs> I couldn't, I don't remember the token white kid from that, but uh, I, I can see it. I can, I can imagine him walking at one frame per second. <laughs> Yeah, I think he. I don't think he ever had any lines, which is actually pretty awesome. They just had like, (laughs) yeah. I think he was just like there was. There was in in Hammerman's gang. There was a white guy. He was just there. Um, I don't. I think he he was like because you know they're all musically themed, if I recall correctly. And I think the white guy was like Beethoven themed. I think his name was like Wolfgang or something. And (laughs) I don't know that he actually had any lines. But I do remember him being on the show and remember as a kid being like, oh, good. I'm glad they put a white guy on there because otherwise I wouldn't as I wouldn't have anyone to identify with. And I'd just be confused by this show. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other show I remember that has a, uh, what a token white is I think the Proud Family. I think the oh, I think I she's got the Proud Family. Yeah, I think she's I got one white Man, but not the Proud Family. I suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never watched. Well, it, it was it was after our time, you know. It's yeah. I think we were already adults when it came out, but I've seen like you know I've I've seen clips of it, and I know that like the the character, uh, the proud girl. I've, I I mm. don't remember her name. Penny, I think Penny Proud. Okay. I know she's got a white friend. I don't know how important the white friend is to the thing. I don't know if she's an actual character or she's just, you know, there in the same way that Amy is just there in this Virginia thing. Um, mm. But she is a character. So she, there's, they were like, look, put a, put a white person in there so the white people can, oh. like, not freak out if they see this on TV. I, I thought of a good one. Did you ever see Bamboozled? I have not seen the Bamboozled, actually. Okay, well, Bamboozled... There are, there's this group of characters who I guess are kind of the villains, but there, there isn't just one villain in this movie. This, this, this rap group who call themselves the Mau Maus and the Mau Maus all call themselves things that end in black, B-L-A-K. They left out the white man's C (laughs) and 
So they have names like Double Black, Soul Black. The leader is Big Black Africa. And in this group of entirely black people, you have this Guidoish Italian guy who calls himself 116th Black. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, actually. That's great. And what's, what's interesting is that 116th is never singled out. He is just as much a member of the group as any of them. And uh, not to spoil too much, because this is not a movie with a happy ending, but at the end, the Mau Maus all die in a hail of gunfire. Oh, geez. Well, and- they're... They're villains, though. <laughs> yeah, except for one sixteenth, who is cuffed and pushed onto the onto the cop car as he shrieks, "No, no, shoot me, kill me too! I'm black too! One drop of black blood!" <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because it's true, and it's actually not funny. I mean, it is funny, yeah, not, but you know, yeah. but. But it's a, I, it's a it's a powerful movie, and I don't blame anyone who couldn't watch it because it is about blackface. But uh. man, um, yeah, I just I just never got around to it. It's uh, but n- now that you've described it, I actually kind of want to see it now. It sounds like it's yeah. it's got some real bite to it. Oh boy! Um, if you can, you know, if you can, you know, keep your gorge down during the blackface scenes. No, not just because it's blackface, but because you realize, oh my God, these people are really talented and this is funny stuff. And we've <laughs> made it part of this hor- horrible tradition. <laughs> well, you know, don't worry. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get into a, an Andy Rooney, like mind palace, <laughs> you know, and, and then I'll be like, oh, it's fine. I'll just be like, after it's like, have you ever noticed how many people are doing blackface these days? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no i haven't andy <laughs> thank, I, thank god i have not noticed that i just feel like that would be like that's like andy rooney's like you know um as his as he's dying his his dmt brain trip is just like it's like where is he all these black these people it's like what it is because it's not not a real thing now it's not happening oh anyway um anyway yes virginia Virginia. Uh, so virginia there's um so uh so okay what what so she oh and there's also peewee there's another kid peewee in this who's like uh very small and basically just says me too at everything yeah so she's a the equivalent of this in this movie of the girl and annie who just yells oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah yeah um it's it's I guess it's supposed it's kind of funny I guess is the idea or maybe I don't know she's in yeah this movie. I mean none of the kids know you know they actually none of them kids have anything actually to uh, contribute to the discussion so we have to uh, try out another beloved stereotype the Irish cop no I love this guy actually <laughs> officer because yeah. he officer O'Reilly <laughs> um, I actually like. My favorite part of this entire special is when Virginia is just asking random people if they um, like Santa Claus. And I mean, I genuinely yeah. actually like that this, these parts because um, yes. the way that everyone kind of sidesteps the question is kind of charming because uh, the uh, the Irish cop because Virginia's like, you know, as a, as a policeman, aren't you sworn to tell the truth? And the cop, the Irish cop is like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, because she's buttering him up and then she asks, is there a Santa Claus? And he uh, he kind of hems and haws and eventually decides he's going to um, he's going to pass the buck 
by calling his superior down at the station. And <laughs> and then he actually does. He does. Yeah, that's a great thing. I love how he call, he does. And the superior, his uh, his precinct boss is all like, "Is is there a riot down there? Is there a murder on the loose? Is there why? If not, why are you calling me?" And um, Officer O'Reilly is all like, "It'd be a matter of information we'd be wanting. You know, is there a Santa Claus?" And um, the, the the boss is not happy. The chief is not happy about this, but uh, I really do like how this scene builds up because the chief interrogates him for like a full minute, just listing all these things that the officer should should be calling him about, rather than calling him about you know whether Santa Claus exists. And you can see Officer O'Reilly just sweating buckets as this is going down. <laughs> Were there uh, police call boxes in 1897? Oh, um, maybe in New York. Uh, when were when were phones invented? Like, uh, I don't know. Well, the Virginia's dad does bring up Marconi and the wireless telegraph. So, yeah. So I guess wired things must be well known enough by now. I feel but, like, yeah, I feel like there probably were call boxes because. Uh, this is when eighteen the eighteen nineties was when you have all those like you know those political cartoons where you see like people like getting tangled up in electrical wires and dying, saying like oh, oh electrical wires the 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 scourge of the city you know oh yeah and of course uh, John Arneal included an, a telephone on Ozma's desk in one of the Oz books and oh. He, well, actually, he was just reusing something he drew for Ladies Home Journal and <laughs> added buns on her head to make it Ozma. <laughs> oh, okay. So apparently the first police telephone was installed in Albany, New York in 1877. Oh, wow. Okay. One year after Alexander Graham Bell patented the telephone. So Damn. They really, they really rolled out this technology fast. That's... Yeah, impressive. not like today. Not like when you've got a... A, a controlling interest in the previous technology that doesn't want to be replaced. Yeah, for real. God, imagine living in 1877 where things could actually happen in America. Like, yeah. they, they could just be like, oh, yeah, put these telephones out there. Now we've got telephones. We can talk to each other. And nowadays it's like, everything is like, hmm, well, you know what? Here's, if, if the tech piece of technology comes out, they're like, how could we make it worse so that we can, you know get more money out of it i'm sure i got an idea let's attach nft to it oh that's great anyway be sure to stick around we're gonna we're gonna launch our first um uh, a special presentation or alf will not be seen tonight nfts i guess um (laughs) i I was like since that's going to be the only way anyone can make any money apparently yeah except people are gonna like, like what do you what do you mean what kind of nft like what it's like um we said it was an NFT. That's enough, right? We, we have we have to make a thing. Just the NFT. I don't know. Uh, it just yeah. We're still on NFTs. Normal face tattoos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, okay. So we got our cop guy. This this cop bit. Um, yes. His and- answer to her is that if there is a Santa, he must be a law-abiding citizen because we've never booked him in our precinct. I mean, that's a good dodge, I think. Um, yeah, especially knowing that Santa breaks into houses. Yeah. Oh, I mean, isn't it, isn't it quaint seeing this, like, this friendly neighborhood Irish cop 
it's just so yeah you know um it's just a different time um not not that i think cops were particularly like um better in the 1890s um but you know they they didn't they didn't have as much firepower, so they probably couldn't murder you with as much impunity as they do now. You know, it would have taken a little more effort. It would have there would have been more of a cover up. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, and plus, when it's an actual like old timey Irish cop with one of those those hats, you know, those little those yeah, little he's helmets. Got this, he's got this bobby hat, and he's got and this you know big handlebar mustache that looks exactly like his superior's hair. <laughs> And he's just got this enormous belly with the march buttons marching down and out of sight. And it's just like, we used to hi- hire guys like this to keep the peace. This guy's <laughs> yeah. fatter than me and he's a cop. Well, you know, because in those days, you didn't want to keep, the only thing you had to do to keep the peace is you just walk out and be like, oh, what's all this here now? That, and then everyone's yeah. like, oh shit, we're, we're dispersing. We're dispersing. Don't say it again. <laughs> What's all this? Stop! Stop! This is, <laughs> this is police royalties. Was like, it's like, oh yeah, because if if you don't, eventually they might give you a wee nip of their shillelagh, and you don't want that. <laughs> but uh, they're just looping around on one finger casually as they lean against a wall. Yeah. <laughs> also, my favorite thing is that he was he was directing traffic, and then they completely distract him for about five minutes. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm sure it's all fine. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it's not like uh, people were constantly getting mowed down by car the, those newfangled cars at that point. Yeah. Though apparently, yeah. You know, one were. of the things that uh, one of the things that cars I mean cars have uh, fucked up our environment and uh, made the, and filled our lungs with pollution. But at least we don't have like sixty dead horses by the side of the road like we used to. That's yeah, that's true. Uh, can you imagine? It's like, but imagine like living in, in 1890 when the old people, the Andy Rooney's of the day, would be like, "Ah, we need to bring back those dead horses." You know, they'd be like, <laughs> "Nowadays, you walk down, you cross the street, there's no dead horses around." So you know, now your little brother won't like die of like I don't know, a uh, horse rot based uh, disease. You know, <laughs> nice. We can make horse paste. <laughs> made with genuine horse <laughs> you know what i can't understand why are so many people hungry on the streets when we've got flocks of passenger pigeons flying by all day just bring a few down with your gun <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the american way <laughs> just imagine the like the, the <laughs> Just imagine they're like another like special where they just have the they're just shooting like the Sivity Sam's just shooting passengers. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, anyway, so um, anyway, but uh, so that's the first guy they meet. But uh, Officer Riley is not the only person that Virginia posits this this query to, um, because then I think next is the Mr. Shulman, isn't Mr. it? Mr. Shulman, yes. Yeah, this and you was... might be guess that Mr. Shulman is a, a surprisingly positive uh, Jewish character. Yeah, um, I was actually very uh, this 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 bit actually was very interesting, and I thought very uh, I was very charmed by it. Um, I also I just like whenever a Christmas special acknowledges that Jewish people exist. You know? Yeah, um, it's. it's way too rare it is very rare and usually like i understand that like if you're yeah you know it's, if it's a story about like i don't know santa 
meeting a snowman or something it's like okay <laughs> obviously discussions about alter uh, other religions aren't really within the wheelhouse of what we're dealing with here but when it's something like this like the virginia I mean, where mm -hmm. it could be i mean what is a snowman but a golem i mean uh, true fair fair um but i think it's especially um you know the the absence of that sort of thing is especially noticeable when it's something like this uh, where it's set in the real world with real people talking about, you know, real Christmas. And yeah. um, and in this one where they're going kind of going, they're, they're trying to present a multi-ethnic turn of the century New York because, you know, we've got an Irish cop. We've got, uh, we mentioned the, the Chinese uh, restaurant proprietor uh, who we'll see mm -hmm. next. And of course, um, you know, the, the, there's, I heard there's a lot of Jewish people in New York, you know? <laughs> I, no, I mean, Brooks is Jewish. Yeah, I've I've just that that's what like I've been told. <laughs> um, but Mr. Schulman, he runs the candy store, and um, he's yeah. This is this is good because he's um you know he's a guy. He's dressed in those like those old timey like barbershop kind of outfits, you know, with the the um, the shirt that's got the red and white stripes, and he's got those. Oh yeah, he's got those. What do you call them? Those weird braces on his his arms. You know that they always wear barbershops. Yeah, what are those? They're yeah, like, they're. Uh, I've, what is the word for those? Dang, I don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but um, but you know he's like, and he does. He's got like, um, he's got a, a faint Yiddish accent, which was interesting. It's not like super. You know, it's not like super over the top. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, I wasn't sure if he was, he was coded Jewish or not until the end when he says, if I ever meet Santa Claus, I'll give him a Hanukkah gift. Yeah. That was the thing. Cause like I, I, at first when they said Shulman, I was like, huh? Okay. And when he was talking, I started to pick up like, okay, he's, he's got a little bit of an accent. So this is interesting. And basically what happens is, um, you know, Virginia is like, have you have, do you know Santa Claus? And he's just, or do you think there's a Santa Claus? And Mr. Schulman's like, oh, is he here in this neighborhood? Does he live around here? Is he a good man? And um, which is, again, kind of like, well, that's not really what she's asking, but OK. No. And Virginia's like, well, he gives presents to all the kids. And he's like, oh, so he is a good man. Um, if he ever and maybe I'll see him in my shop someday. And uh, Virginia's like, oh, and he can give you a present. And he's like, no, if he comes in my shop, I will give him a Hanukkah present. Um which is, you know, very interesting. I, I like the, what he was doing here because Mr. Schulman obviously knows what's I mean, he knows what's going on. He know the whole yes. time, you know, he knows exactly who Santa Claus is, even though he's pretend, you know, he's kind of he's pretending, you know, that he's. Uh, and yeah, now you've probably heard this before, but, you know, Jew little Jewish kids are given a talk early on that, you know, your friends who aren't Jewish, they believe in Santa. Please let them don't tell them it's not real. Yeah, and they are, and they take this very seriously. They're like, we all know there's no Santa, right? But you can never tell the Christian kids. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My uh, my my wife was given that talk when she was very young. <laughs> you know, you you are real heroes. Everyone who grew up celebrating Hanukkah that is that is a that is going above and beyond the call of duty for kids. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really liked that they acknowledged that in this. I thought it was a very, a very cute little interaction. You know, I thought it was, um, like you said, a very positive, uh, very positive. Um, you know, it was interesting because the, I mean, 
I think in the seventies, you probably couldn't get away with a, you know, you know, um, yeah, you couldn't get away with a Shylock, but you could get away with, you know, maybe something a little more like, you know, something where the stereotype was a lot more underlined where you have, you know, you know, more of a, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a example that is not necessarily offensive, and the best thing I've got is the ghost from uh, from Swing You Sinners. You mm. needed it. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, like because yeah, they, they definitely could have made it more over the top without going into like you know gift pilts territory. Um, yeah, but they played it very. Um, you know, they they. You know, they they didn't do that. Like even just his accent being very faint, I thought was um, uh, that was a, a, you know, a conscious choice. They obviously they could have said like, look, do do when Mel Brooks does a two thousand year old man, where it's like a very pronounced accent. In this one, you can barely hear it. So um, you know, Mr. Shulman he is obviously throw in any. He doesn't he, throw in any Yiddishisms like Vezmir or anything like that. So. That's true. That too. So yeah, it's actually almost like I wonder if it's like if it's actually supposed to be uh, a twist when he says the thing about the Hanukkah present, I wonder if they were uh, thinking that a lot of people in the audience would not pick up that he was Jewish. And that would be like, kind of like a surprise. Hmm. Uh, the, the kids, the kids don't seem surprised by it, so they must know him, but uh, of course yeah. they do. They come in every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Speaking of a uh, very positive uh, Jewish depiction, they come in and he gives them all free candy. So breaking yep. certain stereotypes that, yes. um, you know, we, we often see associated with um, the Jewish people in media that is less woke. <laughs> God, I'm trying to like in this whole episode, I'm trying to dance around like all these terrible like ethnic stereotypes without sounding yeah, like... I mean, that's- that's the issue is that when you do something that is this, this diverse, there is, there are a lot of ways to go about it the wrong way because, you know, we don't like to talk about it, but America is kind of built on the, on a bedrock of white supremacist. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing is, so I feel like the, the, the way they depicted Mr. Shulman, it still works today. Like it's still good. Um, I would, I would like to have him in my cartoon. Yes. Like I think it's, it was a very, it was a nice little interaction. Um, it really, um, it was charming. Um, it, it, you know, it, it acknowledged that there are different uh, theories about Santa Claus, you know, and not, not everyone, uh, you know, shares that. Um, like, it, and um, yeah, anyway. Um, but then we get into uh, Arthur takes Virginia to meet his father, who runs a Chinese yes. restaurant, the Li Fong Cantonese restaurant. So, oh, interesting. Okay, it's oh, so it specifically says Cantonese. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's interesting. I wonder if I wonder if there were even any uh, Szechuan restaurants at this time. That's a good point because most of the first wave, or I'd say almost entirely, the first wave of Chinese immigrants came from Canton. So, yeah. um, yeah, you probably would not have a lot of Szechuan in the States at this point. Um, I wonder if they even consider themselves Chinese over Cantonese. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not too familiar with, uh, um, uh, no, that, but, um, but anyway, th- this interaction is 
also I think very very charming. It's um it's positive but slightly dated. It did not age yeah. as well. Um Mr. Fong is not as good a design as uh Mr. Shulman. Yeah. Like he's he's kind of um you know, he's kind of he's a he's a big chubby guy. He's wearing like um you know, he's got he's wearing glasses. He's got like what do you call those those outfits a kind of traditional chinese outfit um is it which, a traditional chinese outfit I, I thought it looked more like a mouse suit but oh uh, i believe well i'll say this it is a traditional outfit that chinese people in cartoons often wear yes. <laughs> i i don't ah. know how um now you know here's the thing is like it's not there's nothing wrong with that um the way he looks is is again it's not like a horrible uh, racist caricature they they you know you don't he doesn't walk on he's not like bright yellow he doesn't have no. like a gigantic one of those uh gigantic rice patty hats or something you know yeah, and he's um, not wearing or even a, or even one of the the round silk hats either yeah um, yeah yeah you know and you know, he is he does come across as a first generation immigrant and i mean you're gonna have some some elements of the old country and any of any of those, he does bow to his son, yeah. but his, but his, but his English is colloquial and flawless. Yes. And his accent, he does have a slight accent, but again, they could have done this way more over the top. I mean, they could have had him come in going like, you know, some, some awful ching chong sort of thing as, yeah. you know, just With a or, big gong sound when he yes. enters or something like that. It's just have him just now, spouting gibberish, you know, yeah, um, it doesn't help that we're just listing every single Chinese stereotype we can think. Of. Yeah. All the, all the Andy Rooney's in training who are listening to this are like taking down notes. Mm, yeah. This is gold. <laughs> so yeah, but we're saying these are things that are not, in the special <laughs> this is no, not how no. mr um what was it but Did at the same time we don't want to say that those things are somehow abnormal either if you're if you grow up with a family where your dad did greet people at the restaurant wearing a silk hat is like you know more power to him yeah yeah um really what it the 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 thing that i think stands out is they does he also has very kind of slight buck teeth which is um you know kind of an unfortunate mm. thing um yeah. you know to to put in there um and also you know the 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 interactions between Arthur and his dad they have some of those very stereotypical things that are uh, you know that whole oh honorable father and uh yes grasshopper yeah. there's a little bit of that which is like yeah you know i don't think that's actually like a thing chinese people say i think that's more just like a thing white people think chinese people say um yeah probably has something to do with uh you know all of the, you know the the pigeon English taught to uh, Chinese people working on the docks, which is where we get things like uh, I don't know if you you probably knew this, maybe not. The phrase uh, "long time no see" is pretty much directly uh, translated from Chinese. Really, I actually did not know that. Yeah, that um, that's interesting. So um, so I I I actually um, well so now I I. I can go and if I meet a Chinese person, I can be like, hey, um, I know Chinese. Actually, I don't. I know an English translation <laughs> of a Chinese thing. Look, I'm, I, look at me appreciating your culture. And this, this would be the perfect time for the Chinese person to say, sir, this is a Wendy's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they should. They should say that. I would deserve that. Um, I'm actually not going to do that. I, I'm not my promise to the listeners. Is I am not going to say this to a Chinese person. 
<laughs> Unless you were at a Wendy's in China. Yeah, and then I would definitely be like, oh, you know, actually, I have been to a Wendy's in China, actually. You Ironically, have? <laughs> I have. Because I was, when I was, when I was young, I was in Hong Kong once. And, you know, you know as, as you, as you do, um, I was, I was in Hong Kong and, um, uh, we went to a Wendy's and got food there. There's oh. really nothing to this story. Was it's there just... anything different about, <laughs> anything different about the Chinese Wendy's? Not really. The main thing is that we went to a Chinese restaurant there and like the, the guy who, was running it was like very rude to my parents so they decided we're not we're just going to eat at fast food places the rest of the time that we're here which is like oh this is great cultural uh you know really learning about this culture that we've come all this way to experience um <laughs> I, uh, I don't know how rude this guy actually was to my parents i think it was probably a language barrier or something and you know my parents being like you know white americans were like how dare you i don't know i was very young at the time but we did go to Wendy's. I remember that. Um, anyway, so meanwhile, in America, uh, this Chinese restaurant, which uh, Arthur's dad runs. Um, so Arthur asks his dad um, if, if um, Santa Claus is real. And um, his dad says he gives him kind of a, you know, a kind of a con- Confucius say sort of answer. Um, yeah. He says it is written that what you believe is so. And uh, where is that written? I would like to see this hallowed scroll. Yeah. Again, it's it's kind of playing into that stereotype about, you know, ah, ancient Chinese wisdom. But yeah. it is slightly better than if he said, ah, Confucius say, you know, um, yeah. at least he said it is written. It's like, OK, um, that where is it written I, on the placemats? Maybe that maybe Bill Melendez was like, well, I don't know what Confucius actually said. So let's just say it is written. You know, <laughs> it's wow. written on these placemats right under the, the Chinese Zodiac uh, thing, you know. Well, <laughs> I have one. I have one. Confucius say there is pleasure even in eating coarse food and sleeping with with a crook of one's elbow as a pillow. Is that a real Confucianism? Yeah, that's an actual thing he said that, that, that I liked. So. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. You know what? Small pleasures in life, you know, mm-hmm. um, I um. Uh, I, I, I don't know any actual Confucian statements. I've, I've heard plenty of rude jokes that are, yes. you know, take that format, but I will not repeat them here because I heard yes, them when I was they, younger and it was a different time. They all live in our, uh, in our alternate rhyme land for uh, cruel scru- schoolyard humor. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, so basically uh, Arthur's father kind of, again, kind of gives a um, a non-answer he's he's dodging the question but he says then that like but if if um santa claus is as you say uh and he kind of like indicates his his belly his own girth yeah, yeah and kind of like you know chuckles it is his uh his joke there but kind if self uh, a little a little bit self-deprecating humor there yeah yeah he's like if that's true then we may see him in this humble restaurant sometime that's like all right that's <laughs> that's a good again a good way to kind of like uh um do- dodge the question here because it's like no nobody wants to give virginia the straight answer so uh but everyone's like being very um 
I don't know. Like, I, I think everyone is being very mindful of the fact that these are uh, innocent children and they don't want to spoil that for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's very who was mm-hmm. somebody who I think had an interesting take on this was Marilyn as in ask Marilyn. Somebody once wrote to her at, on her, her column and asked, why, why do we persist in telling children that, uh, that there is a Santa Claus? What would happen if we just, if uh, today we told them all uh, that there was no Santa? And she said, child, and she said, uh, classrooms would be as festive as a funeral. Children need something to believe in. <laughs> yeah. You know, kid, kids need, you, um... you can't. You can't destroy every child's faith in adults at once. You can't say, by the way, we've been lying to you all your life in that same way. Yeah. It's like, look, the kids will figure out soon enough that adults have been lying to them their whole lives about many, many things. Um, let, let them have this one for a little while, you know? Um, and I th- and I personally believe, you know, if we can get into a- individual things that just because your parents are lying to you about Santa Claus doesn't mean he's not real. We just don't know the whole truth and we make up stuff. Yeah. You know, well, uh, well, you know what? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, your parents are lying to you about Santa Claus. And who puts those presents under the tree every year? Huh? Think about that smart guy. Did you see there was a thing with the uh, mental gymnastics about like Santa Claus? Did you see that thing? No. What was that? So someone said, okay, here's what you have to, to, in order to say that Santa, to believe Santa Claus is real, you just be like, all right, Santa Claus brings presents to all the children all over the world in one night. And to believe that he's not real, it's like, okay, so your parents, first of all, how do those presents get there? Oh, your parents have been lying and doing that. In fact, there's a conspiracy of all adults all over the world to do this. You really believe that? That's, that's asking. And nobody's ever... (laughs) You know, no, nobody's ever like uh, blabbed or, or t- said anything. A complete, like, uh, just amazing discipline in this global conspiracy of every adult. And uh, I was like, that's pretty, that's, that's right. Anyway, that convinced me that Santa Claus is real. I'm a Santa <laughs> yeah, Claus truther yeah. now. <laughs> I, it's, you know, that makes me. Actually, that sounds like a kind of a bad argument for, you know, things like uh, ivermectin truthers. But, uh, (laughs) well, you got you got to you got to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so um, so Virginia arrives home and her dad does the same thing. Like he, he she asks him and he's like, well, he shows her a stereoscope and he's all like, well, look at these other things that people you know, didn't believe in. And then they turn out to be true. Like, you know, uh, he's like, here, Christopher Columbus discovering that the world is round. How many people do you think thought the world was flat when he did that? And Virginia's like, almost nobody. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Virginia's like, uh, all of them. It's like, eh, not really. Um, but you know, whatever. Um, well, that's a whole different can of worms. Yeah. But, That's a whole other holiday. Yeah. Not anymore, though. <laughs> well, when are we going to have some Indigenous Peoples Day specials to, yeah. to well, dissect we, on this show? Uh, hey, uh, if you're listening, tell us your favorite Indigenous animator. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say for a second your favorite Indigenous per- Peoples. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's that's a little weird. Like someone's going to... I mean, I don't... <laughs> Your favorite. Uh, I try not to have a favorite kind of people. I mean, I have a favorite indigenous myth or I'm sorry, creation story. Oh, what's which one? Not a, 
Oh, it's the it's the it's the Nez Perce uh, creation story about how Coyote was out uh, out doing his thing and he heard a horrible noise and a big monster had eaten everyone he knew. So, so he tricked the monster into swallowing him too, but he brought along a sharp rock and started cutting out the monster's heart. And everyone uh, everyone escaped from the dead monster's body and they were like, well, what do we do with this body? I know, let's cut it up and make different people out of all the parts. <laughs> so he cut off the monster's feet and made the Blackfoot people. He cut off the monster's head and made the Flathead people. And soon nothing was left but the heart. So he held up the heart, drops of blood fell out and became the Nez Perce people. Nice. I, I like how, how they were like, Okay, it's just this story about like killing a monster at the end. Like, oh yeah, okay. Here's the creation myth tacked on at the end. We're gonna use a dead monster to do stuff. But I mean, <laughs> everyone's made out of monsters. I like. I that mean, that origin. is a good one. Look, I mean, honestly, that's one of the that is one of the better ones I've heard because there's a lot of not very good ones. You know, I mean, let's let's be clear. Let's be honest. The Christian one. Not very boring. Good. It's it's like oh uh, yeah, God did he made this and he made this other stuff and then he yeah then then he had, then he took a nap. He took a nice nap. It's like all right, not much yeah. there, you know. But um, and you know anything with old man and old woman is almost as bad. Just you know any creation myth where it kind of where it kind of boils down to somebody big did this while you weren't looking. You know yeah, you could try a lot harder. Yeah, it's like come on, come on, you know. Give us a little something, you know. You gotta give it a little razzmatazz, um, but uh, uh, but anyway. So sorry, um, Virginia's dad is uh, showing. He also mentions like like you mentioned earlier uh, the invention of the telephone and the um, electricity and um, the wireless wireless telegraph. Yeah, yeah. And I think his 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 bit point is that like you know they're if you don't have faith or believe in things, you, you won't see these things or they wouldn't have been invented. I think is what he's trying to say. Um, cause before they were invented, all the non-believers were like, yeah, you can't have electricity, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as mysterious. Yeah. So I think, um, <clears throat> you know, so, uh, but anyway, but then what he basically says a right to the sun, right? Yeah. And so we've, I looked up the sun, the sun stopped running in 1950. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, it's best known now for the yes, Virginia, uh, letter. And, but shortly before it stopped running in 1950s, it became New York's, you know, most, you know, most hard right wing conservative rag. So, oh no. Yeah, so the Sun was kind of the opposite of the uh, newspaper that uh, Dr. Seuss did his cartoons for. So this is that's like oh they lived long enough to become the villains. <laughs> um, yeah. So the letter that she writes though, she says, um, you know, she she says in it, Papa says if it's written in the Sun, it must be so. Um, now, I'm glad we don't use it's so as a synonym for it's true anymore. Yeah, it's kind of. It's clumsy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, so was that like a thing people said, though? If it's in the sun, it must be so? Or is that just something that like Virginia's dad said? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious if that was a common I, phrase at the time. I didn't hear her. I didn't hear him say it in the special in the special. So, you know, if he said it, you know. 
I think she was just buttering the sun up. It was like, since you're the best paper in the world. Yeah. I mean, in real life, I'm sure her dad was just like, okay, look, just it's the paper here. So just send it to them. Stop bothering me. Um, yeah. And the thing about the, the sun is that it cost one penny, which, you know, it sounds like, uh, oh, yeah, that was probably like five bucks today. No, it was 27 cents today. Oh, it wow. was a damn! What a world! It was a very cheap paper for everybody. You know, for it was a very populist paper for you know even the even very poor people to be able to be informed. So Man, that's at so the much, time, the sun was a good thing. Yeah, it's better than today, where you have to spend like five bucks for a paper and you get it, and it's going to be oh, it's like two thirds of it is AP stories that you can get for free online, and the last third is all editorials about how climate change is fake. You know? It's like, well, at least, at least yeah, here in there, our town. That's the and paper. there's a big sticker on the, on the front at the, at the pay, on the paper machine that says, subscribe to the Fresno Bee, and you can get all these coupons. I'm like, I don't want coupons! Yeah. I'd, I'd subscribe if you didn't give me the coupons. I remember when I lived in um, when I lived in the Bay Area, it was always like everyone's warning, like, OK, look, as soon as you get your telephone installed, the Oakland Tribune is going to start calling you. Do not answer them. Do do not speak with them. It was like almost like a creepypasta, you know, like, <laughs> like as soon as the phone is installed, it just rings. And it's like, do not engage the Oakland Tribune. Don't don't like my eye contact. Do not do not taunt the Oakland Tribune. Like if they, because the thing is, like if they um if they got your like if they did that thing where they're like oh uh, sign up the Oakland Tribune you get like a month free you know and then like then when you after a month it's like all right I'd like to unsubscribe oh new phone who dis you know so they would so uh, like the cable company yes they would not let you go they were um. I don't know if their business model has improved, but since <laughs> this was around, you know, this is around Jesus Christ, the year year two thousand, you know, so um, wow, or a little slightly after, because I remember that like right after my tanglement with the Oakland Tribune was when a little thing called nine eleven happened, um, mm. unrelated as far as I know, but. Uh, <laughs> Not saying that the Oakland Tribune caused 9-11, but nobody's also saying nobody's ever actually looked into that. So um, anyway, I'm a 9-11 Oakland Tribune truther now. Um, <laughs> well, well, anyway, but well, why were we talking about the fucking news, oh, newspapers? They suck. Um, they're yes. all. Yeah, that was around the time when every newspaper realized like, oh, shit. There, there's a new thing called the internet and where all information is easily accessible for free. So what we need to do is make sure that old people never find out it exists. <laughs> and, and that's been their like business model for the last 20 years. You wonder why all the newspapers are dying. It's because their customers are dying. I maintained that any newspaper that wanted to survive should have been trying to make a slow changeover to an all comics format like the santa cruz comic news yes that's something people will pay for i mean that's actually a very good point um that was the thing it's like it's it's crazy that people are like, nobody's figured out that like the comics are the reason people read the newspaper you know <laughs> i mean when i worked for a newspaper i just remember like the only things that people we got like you know letters to the editor all the time right and yeah. they were only two things people talked about 
they were mad about the comics page for some reason or usually or wanted more of certain comics or uh if they were talking about like cats like if there was a photo of a cat in the paper they would write in about that but other than that it was all (laughs) entirely comic uh people were only engaged with the comics page and you know i mean occasionally i suppose maybe you know if if we had lived in a different time we also might have gotten letters about whether or not santa claus is real but we didn't nobody nobody (laughs) wanted nobody was saying like well if it's in the fairfield daily republic it must be so Yes, Virginia, there is a blondie. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's the theme of our show, comics. So that's why we have to <laughs> stick that in there so everyone knows. Um, but uh, so uh, but finally, we, we're, we get to meet uh, Mr. Church, who is the editor of The Sun. Uh, who, and he is portrayed as a fairly gruff and curmudgeonly fellow with huge mutton chop sideburns that connect to his mustache that I didn't see in any of the actual photos of him. No, but it's a good look. <laughs> yes, um, I should adopt it. Yeah, I think they should, they should bring back the bring back the Dundrearies, you know, because um, <laughs> it's it's definitely striking. Um but he's yeah he's very curmudgeonly um like his i guess she's the secretary uh is yeah, trying the secretary who looks yeah the secretary who looks just like Ichabod Crane yeah um the other, the thing about this special is because it's set in 1890 every woman has this incredibly like tall starched collar so yeah yeah they, they all have the, like, a lot of the men do too yeah yeah so everyone's you just have to think like god how long are their necks and they look like you <laughs> know, was wearing those brass rings. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> like they take off the starch <laughs> collar and their head just flops over. <laughs> the green ribbon, put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so she she wants him to answer, but I think he he just he he doesn't want her to answer that one, which is true to life. Yeah, he, he did not. He blows it off. Yeah, he kind of blows it off, and um, I think it's only when. Um, Oh, I think we actually did something wrong in this. Yeah, we missed one of the kids. There is who is he wasn't one of the group that she was with. She has another friend who is a street corner paper boy, and he takes up her cause and visits the uh, newspaper with the asking why they haven't answered her letter. And now this kid, the Mr. Church actually kind of takes a shine to because he says he wants to be an, a journalist himself. Yeah, and it's funny because he says, I'm in the newspaper business, and Mr. Church is like, you are a reporter, an editor, and he's like, no, I sell them. And uh, he's kind of taken aback, but he's also like, I like this kid, he's got grit, is what he says. Um, so <laughs> That's he has, a whole other paper. Yeah, so, but, but you know, this kid wins him over with his with his moxie, with his chutzpah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, um, so... Uh, I think, in fact, actually, is this kid the one who, in the special, tells Virginia to write to Mr. Sun? Uh, yes, not Mr. He's Sun, the one Mr. Said it. Uh, to Mr. the Sun. Mr. Sun. If you write to Mr. Sun, he's going to tell you about what Strawberry Shortcake has been up to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so he, um, so so I think he is right. He's the one who says that she should write. Not not Virginia's yeah. father in this. Um, yeah, he's not the one who says if you read it in the Sun, it's so. But. Nobody appears to appears to see that. Yeah. So she. So um, he shows up. Um, Miss uh, Mr. Church 
takes him home to see his parent to to his family and i guess they invite him yeah, it looks for- like they yeah yeah they he stays over for dinner and he gets to gets to meet the whole family and has a nice uh Nice uh, night with the family. Remember, this is what people used to do. Before there was TV, we invited each other over for dinner all the time because there was nothing else to talk about with our own family. Yeah. What a world. Can you imagine, like, interacting with people? <laughs> uh, not, not unless it was over Discord. Yeah. I, I have not seen another person in two years by now, you know? Um, but... Uh, um, it's also interesting because in this, I had assumed that like, oh, this paper boy is probably just an orphan, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so when we actually see his family, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> You're going to go home to the workhouse and meet the other orphans? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, look, we, uh, it'd be a little grim if if there's an orphan, like a street orphan, just like selling papers in this. So I, I guess it makes sense. But they were like, oh, better put this in. So the people don't think that he's like, I don't know, some, you know, street urchin or something. Um, but apparently Mr. Church has a really good time with the, this family. He gets some Christmas cheer and, um, uh, enough that like the other kids in the family now call him uncle church, <laughs> uncle, Mr. Church, <laughs> uncle, Mr. Church and Mr. Church, he goes home, but like he stops, you know, to do some caroling on the way, join like a group of carolers. Um, I, I, I don't know if he does anything else, but but he has been filled with the Christmas spirit kind of off screen. So, yeah, you know, which is funny that they're like so in this movie, they're so desperate to pat it out. And yet they decide to do Mr. Church's like he'll turn completely <laughs> off screen. Yeah, it feels like this was written to be an hour long, but they had to cut a bunch of stuff and they did so at random. Yeah. So it's like, all right, he's he's good now, but um, it's like it's like the the that movie with the Christmas tree, you know, uh, uh, Chris uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? No, 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 the one with um, Mrs. Mafalda who's trying to cut down the Christmas tree. Have you ever seen this one? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Miss, I forget. Uh, I forget. Does it have uh, what's his name? Iron Man. Um, I forget. It's animated. It's very bad. Um, but the basic gist is that like the the uh, evil uh, orphan master is Mrs. Oh, Mafalda. oh you know this one? that one. Now I remember. Yeah, the one where all the children have a bizarre kind of Elmira face. Yeah, that's the one. And like she's going to cut down the tree, but then she gets hit by lightning. And then as the show is ending, the narrator says, don't worry about Mrs. Mafalda. She's good now. it's like oh we just found out duke's gonna be all right yeah (laughs) little something for buzz there (laughs) classics uh you know it's like you gotta make sure that yeah you don't want to worry the kids but so mr mr church has uh decided he is gonna write the editorial um so he he goes into work the next day just full of vim and vinegar and he, uh, and, and he's going to show, he's, he's going to, he's, he says to the paper boy, you know, to watch, I'm going to show you how, how newspapers are made. And so he's doing his and editorial. The paper boy is with him the whole time. And I was just like, do you guys live together now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he bought him. <laughs> <laughs> also, he, when he comes in, he says, bring me a razor. And his assistant secretary is like, oh, Mr. Church, no, you wouldn't. 
<laughs> it was like, it's like, well, you know, Christmas is the most stressful time of the year for a lot of people. No, no, it's for the boy. <laughs> now, um, no. so it turns out, no, because he hasn't had time to shave because he's been, I guess, caroling all night. Yeah, he's been out. Yeah, he's been out caroling all night and he didn't shave, but he's filled with uh, the, you know, he's just like, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, you wonderful old savings and loan. And fi- so he finally sits down to write this, write the response. Meanwhile, Virginia has just been consumed. There, She has no role in this other to be other than to cry that her letter hasn't been answered yet. Yeah, that's true. She doesn't have a whole lot of agency in this thing. Um, no, it's just about her waiting it out. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to ding Bing, Bill Melendez for this too much because it's like he is constrained by the actual you know, events of history to some degree. So, I mean, it is what it is. But I don't think this paper boy existed, so it could have just been her going to Mr. Church. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it would have given her a little more something to do in this. But you know what? Maybe he would have been like, look, Mr. Church would never uh, gel with a girl. He, mm. needs, he needs someone who's in the newspaper business who gets him, you know? <laughs> um, it is fun. Actually, I did think the bit where she calls up like the, you know, I don't know. I don't know who she, the typesetter, I guess the secretary calls the typesetter and says like, we need a headline. Is Santa Claus real? And she's like, Oh, okay. I'll tell him. And then she turns to Mr. Church and says the typesetter says he is real, which <laughs> it, first of all, is really, it's funny in and of itself that like of all the people in the world, like this typesetter is just this random guy. like, Oh yeah. The answer is yes. And, um, but it's also it's funny cause sort, then, Oh, sorry. Sort of the Amerigo Vespucci syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, he's a very confident guy, you know, like no one else wanted to say anything because they would be like, Oh, we can't say anything to Virginia. But this guy's like, yeah, no, Santa, he's real. He's real. Um, and, and she's like calling down like, is Santa real? That's the headline we need. It's like, Oh, I got, I got the answer for you. Yeah. He's real. But, um, it's also funny. Turns out the typesetter was Santa. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know what? <laughs> now you know the rest of the story. Uh, but it is funny, Mr. Church's response, which is like, how does he know? I haven't finished the editorial yet. Um, which which was which amused me. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but then, yeah, it's basically back to Virginia. Um, the te- Then the next day there's an assembly and the teacher is like, here's the um, here's the today's son. Uh, they answered Virginia's letter. I'm going to read it. Um, and she reads part of it, not the entire thing, because it's yeah, long. not the entire thing. Yeah, that's a, it is a long, it's a long thing, and but it is again pretty good. You can read it for yourself. Uh, we we encourage you to do your own research on this show because it's a lot more convenient for us. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and along the way, you have you know kids kind of sitting in wonder, wondering what's what's going on, and. Also, I think all the parents seem to be in uh, in attendance too. Oh, was this some sort of Christmas assembly? I'm guessing, or what? Maybe, uh, maybe yeah, they. Because I see, I see Mr. Fong and the police officer. Oh, maybe this was established, and I just wasn't paying attention. Is Mr. Shulman at the assembly? That's the question. No, unfortunately, too bad. <laughs> okay, well, maybe it is a Christmas assembly then, and that's why he decided, you know, not for me. Um, though yeah. I feel like Mr. Fong probably may not also might, might I don't know. I, he, he may not pre- be a practicing Christian. He may be, it's unclear. 
so you know entirely possible but it's entirely possible you know i feel like if he's a first generation you know fella he's probably still practicing the old ways yeah i'm sorry actually i I don't mm -hmm. i don't know what faith is most common in in uh late 1800s canton um i know that many of the 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 uh joss houses we have in california um that it was they were set up for um you know, a form of ancestor worship or not worship, sorry, mm. but ancestor veneration, I think is a better mm-hmm. way to put it. Worship makes where it you, sound where like. you burn the hell bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Those the are cool. Actual. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like um, there's probably, oh yeah, actually kind of funny. Um, Cause uh, we um, just went up recently to the uh, Joss house uh, nearby and we got some hell bucks. Um, but it was kind of like looking at it, I was like, so who's actually printing these? <laughs> you know, the, the mint of hell <laughs> or just some, just some random princes. I mean, what, who's backing these? Who's, you know? Now, if you don't know about these, we're not we're not putting any actual judgment on, you know, Chinese people going to hell. There specifically says bank of hell on these dollars that printed on Joss paper that you're supposed to burn to give your ancestors something to spend in the afterlife. Yeah. Which is, so. I mean... I would not like to go to an afterlife that still had money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, that's the whole point of dying is to get away from that sort of thing. Um, also when, when, uh, when I learned a very interesting thing when, when I was there that, that, um, Ethan, you may already know, um, but it was news to me that in uh, Chinese mythology, evil spirits can only travel in a straight line. You know, they can't waver from that path. And, I may have heard this, but yeah. Yeah. And so like, um, they, so that's why they have like a lot of the entrances to the temple or kind of there's, they'll have like a pillar kind of in the middle so that you have to walk around it. But like evil spirits will be uh, deflected. And when they were explaining this, they're saying like, see an evil spirit can never change its path. Unlike a human, a human can change their direction at any time. And I was like, that is actually like, really inspiring and deep and i was like man that that really that really makes me think um yeah yeah um so so does that mean that the Jiang, jiangxi the chinese hopping vampires they can only hop in one direction actually i think i've heard that i think i've oh, actually okay. heard that they only go in one direction um so you can just sidestep them All i right. think you can um again i'm sure if there's Anyone who knows more about Chinese mythology can probably correct me on this, um, but I feel like I have heard that. Although my source on this is probably uh, 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 the Gods Must Be Crazy Five, one of the uh, <laughs> one, after they sold the rights of the franchise to some Hong Kong action director, and it's now um, the 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 fellow the I, I don't know his his name the 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 the. The Kung Bushman. I forget his name. Yeah. Yeah. The, From, the Bushman. Yeah. He's still something. in this one, but now he's fighting a Chinese hopping vampire. <laughs> this is a real thing I've heard about and it's bizarre. Yeah. I remember watching it on television. It is very strange. Um, they, they have like a Chinese hopping vampire just jumping around in this village with all these like small, you know, like um, Kung children chasing him around and just like having a great old time. And I really feel like, they were like, look, just have this guy jump around and let the kids, you know, have fun chasing him. And they're just filming it. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was actually scripted, but, you know, it's it's actually kind of cute. 
Um, the, the, the movie industry is so, you know, uh, we think there's only one way to do film, but film is anything you put on film. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, Hong Kong has it, uh, it's, there's a, well, again, this is an older movie, but there was a vibrancy that's lost in American film, you know, mm. but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, why were we talking about this? We were talking about. Oh, we were we were wondering if about Mr. Fong's uh, religious implications. Why, oh, okay. Why yeah. he might be at the. Also, I, I would I would want to say that when when the kids get up to cheer for Virginia after they finish reading this, that is the only time we see Amy smile. Amy has this huge frown on her face the whole time. Yeah, she's definitely um, she's definitely surly. She's the angry black woman. <sighs> Yeah, feeding into stereotypes. Good job, Bill Melendez. <laughs> I uh, don't know. I feel like we could use more angry black women. <laughs> well, you know, she's the only. Actually, black... we probably have a lot more than we think. We ju- they're just good at hiding it. Yeah, there's. She is the only black student at this school, so um, you know. There's... I see a black boy in the back. Oh, but... is there? Oh, okay, never mind. I take it back. Um, but. Um... I, I assume she may have to deal with a lot of crap, you know, Yeah. Um, that, oh, that, that is not being shown on screen. Especially the turn of the century. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the harmony between different races was probably not as, um, harmonious at the time as we have been led to believe by this special. No, but you know what? It's, it's, um, it's nice to think that it was, you know. Yeah, it it would have. You know, it would be nice if it was this harmonious now. Yes, it would be. I mean, if only you know what I mean. If only now we lived in a country where Chinese restaurateurs and uh, Irish cops and little black children and um, Jewish candy confectioners could all live in harmony, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I can't think of any other kind of person. Can you? No, nope, we've listed all the people. <laughs> Except for one immortal spirits of giving. Oh, that's right. But if you don't believe in them, you won't see them. That's right. But, and that is why at the end of this movie, we are suddenly revealed that our narrator was, in fact, Santa Claus himself. What? I don't, I can't believe it either. What Santa Claus twist. has the voice of Jim Backus. This, this, this is a twist for the ages. This is an M. Shamalam type twist. Can you believe, I can't believe that Santa Claus was right in front of our noses the entire time. And we didn't, we were too, just too blinkered to see him. Um, too blinded by our own selfish wants and desires. That's right. You know what? I mean, like, um, the problem was that, um, you know, a man's, man's mind is just too, um, too tiny and significant in the face of the universe to uh, comprehend, you know, the truth about Santa Claus. Um, but anyway, Santa Claus, he's here and he, um, I guess he's now he's in front of the kids. So he's like kind of, I guess he's, he's, he's doing a, 
in-person reveal. So it is more like Bill and Ted. You know, they she she did a report on whether or not Santa was real, and then she produced him in real life. Yeah. Hey, well, you know what? Uh good on her. She did yeah. good on Virginia. She 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 smoked him out. <laughs> and you know, and now so this this movie does in fact come out on the position that yes, there is a Santa Claus. He is absolutely real. In fact, maybe that's him right behind you. <laughs> so Ethan, what were, what, what are your, how did you feel about? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Well, I mean, I had a lot of trouble starting out because I was just so, so turned off by how realistic the kids cruelty to each other was. Mm. It was kind of, you know, kind of triggering me, you know? Yeah. I was just yeah. like, I've been there. I've been this kid, you know, you know, I, if you, this is the nail that sticks up getting pounded down yeah. and it was, and it kind of, and it hurt. It was, it was hard to uh, watch something like this because it's not, it's not funny. Not if you've been that kid and you know, I, I, if there's ever been a time when I was the bully, when I was pounding some other kid down, you know, I'm blessed that I, that I've forgotten it because if I could remember it, I would never forgive myself. Yeah. Well, but, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> Go on. but she get, but she got hers. And then Billy, the bully says to her, uh, can I, can I, t can I carry your bags home from school? And I was like, is, was that a thing? Did they even have bags when they left school earlier? Um, I'm not sure. They might have had like book bags, but I I didn't really, I I didn't see it. You yeah, know? I, don't, I don't think that was a thing. Did, did, had they even invented homework? Ah, <laughs> ah, uh, 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 <laughs> I hope not. That was the beginning of the end of the decline of American society, right there. That's right. Fuck down with homework. Um, <laughs> So I actually wondered um, if Billy was um, going to like, cause, cause obviously he's, he's kind of sweet on Virginia, you know? And I guess, um, so I wondered like if that was actually like a, um, a nod to like any real life person. So um, I looked up, uh, but she, she was married. The actual real life Virginia got married to a man named Edward Douglas. Um, okay. The marriage was brief. Uh, he deserted her right before their daughter was born, and she was uh, divorced in 1930. Um, wow. Yeah. Back when you had to sue for divorce. Yeah, yeah. But um, actually, uh, Virginia went on to a, a very interesting life, apparently. Um, oh. She uh, got her Bachelor of Arts from Hunter's College, Master's Degree in Education from Columbia, Doctorate from Fordham University in the 1930s. So she, in the 1930s, was a multi-degreed woman. Wow. Uh, and then she, and went she was, mm -hmm. she was in her forties then, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, she then became a school teacher, as they said in, at the end of the, the cartoon, they mentioned she was a school teacher as well as a principal. Um, she retired in 1959, apparently got a steady stream of letters about the, uh, the editorial to, for her entire life. Um, and she would reply with uh, enclosing a copy of the editorial. Um, oh. Anyway, and she says uh, in an interview later in life, she credited the editorial shaping the direction of her life quite positively. So good, um, good. That's that's very nice. I'm, I'm glad that it went it went well for her better than say Alice Liddell. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That that didn't go so good, huh? Yeah, I mean, we we don't know much of the details, but uh, I mean, she was she was always kind of, you know, she had mixed feelings about her association with the fictional character of Alice and the non-fictional character of Charles Dodgson, aka Lewis Carroll. Yeah, there's a lot so, more going on there, you know. So very different yeah. story, you know. You a know? lot that we'll never know. Yeah, um, yeah. But boy, let me tell you. Um, uh, Charles, Charles, uh, what's his face? Lewis Carroll. Ludwig Dogson. Yeah. 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 Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Let me tell you, Lewis Carroll stands. What a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> what a bunch of weirdos. I'm sorry. Like I understand. Look, I understand some people like Alice in Wonderland. It's fine. It's a fine book. Lot yep. to like about it. Right. Um, but you know what? There is a death of the author that you, you have no, and it is okay to invoke it. Yeah. It's just funny because I once made, I once bagged on uh, Lewis Carroll for whatever, I can't remember how. And I got like a million guys telling me like, actually, um, taking uh, naked photos of children was very normal in like 1890. And it's like, please don't, don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> You don't think maybe that's a problem with 1890 itself? I mean, it's like, I don't know about that, but I don't, yeah, it's like, I, mm, mm, I'm not getting, it's like, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, okay. You know, there were a lot yeah. of things that were normal in the old days that, that we've decided were kind of bad, you know? You know yeah. this whole thing called slavery? Mm, turns out that was bad. <laughs> Who would have thought the whole time it was bad? Uh, excuse me, owning slaves was very normal in 1840. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> God, the sad thing is, like, that's the thing that you actually hear a lot on, like, mm. uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I used to work with a girl from the South, and uh, uh, I would not be surprised to hear that coming out of her mouth, because she said a lot of things where I'm just like, oh, oh, that, and I was like, oh, that's right, you, you guys believe that. You know, like, like, no, and you don't, you don't have to have never owned slaves to be a good person. I mean, P.T. Barnum, he owned slaves. Then he set them all free and became an abolitionist. Yeah. Oh, see, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. to. That's the one good thing to do with slaves. Yes. Set them free. Yeah. Especially if you've inherited them and you never actually bought them with your own money. Yeah. Uh, you know what I like or not like, but like these goobers who are like, Actually, Thomas Jefferson let all his slaves go in his will. It's like, yeah, after he like made them like work for him for what? How for like his whole life? And now he's like, well, I'm dead. I can't use him anymore. So you're free now. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> Nobody likes Jefferson. Nobody goes to see his monument. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm not impressed by that. I mean, it's personal because there's a lot of other. I mean, there's a lot of other things he was doing with the slaves that are also, you know, not very kosher. Uh -huh. I'll say, if you know what I mean. Things that I don't think they would choose to do if they were freedmen. Yes, exactly. And you know what else? Uh, let me tell you. You know that guy George Washington? What a dip that guy was. First of all, you ever been to his house? <laughs> No, I haven't. What's oh. George Washington's house like? Well, it's um oh wait, no, never mind. I mixed it up. I went to Thomas Jefferson's <laughs> house. I don't know why I brought oh. it up. I'm all wrong. Okay. No, Thomas Jefferson's house. Which one lives on Mount Vernon? 
Uh, I think that was Washington. Oh, that's Washington? Oh, maybe it wasn't. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Their houses <laughs> suck. Forget it. Moving on. So, um, yeah. anyway. So, um, so you said that yeah, it, was, it was rough going for this special for you. Um, uh, at first, I, I had a better time with the second half, even though it was kind of, you know, that's kind of where all the, uh, the momentum slows down. But... No, no, I, t- I turned out, turns out I like it after all, I think. And yeah, like I said, it is kind of a, you know, kind of the model on which uh, Molly on the Skywalker seems to have been built. But yeah, obviously they couldn't tell more stories about Virginia because I mean, there's just the one. So yeah, that's right. So there's no sequel about her dealing with her parents' divorce or that, dealing with her own divorce. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, wow, that points to a unfortunate uh, future for uh, for Molly and what's his name with the glasses. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, well, you know, I I um I also like was uh, had you know initially was kind of resistant to this, um, not because I was upset by the bullying, because I was a bully. So like when I saw them <laughs> picking on Molly, I was like, "That's right, fuck her up, yeah." Mm. <laughs> I, and then I, then Ethan, I sent you a Valentine. Um, <laughs> no, I'm working um, on the fur. I promise. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, oh, I wasn't like I wasn't a bully. But that I was. I I was one of those kids who like I moved around a lot, so I played many roles in many schools, um, depending on where I was in the social ladder. Um, sometimes I was at the bottom. Sometimes I was higher up. But anyway. Um, Never but, at the top, though. Somehow that just doesn't not, come up. No, not quite. I mean, I, I I learned to play the game. You know, when you can make a fresh start every two or three years, you eventually kind of figure out how to do it, or at least kind of mm. like not be noticed. You know, because um, that's a good thing. Is like if it's you're there for a year, you're like, well, I just got to be quiet, and I'm gone in a year. So you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, um, but um, yeah, the main thing was I was kind of like bored at first in this special so i was kind of like yeah all right mm. whatever whatever but once they got to the part where they were like asking different adults like once officer o'reilly did that bit i was like okay i'm actually kind of charmed by this this is winning me over um and at the end i actually kind of um you know it gave me a little bit of the christmas spirit um and uh i can Enough see- to get you caroling with strangers i you know what um I won't say that this one gave me that much Christmas spirit. Um, there are things like uh, a, a Christmas Carol gives me that much Christmas spirit when I see yes. it, or at least when I see the good version with Alistair Sims. You know, mm, mm. Um, the, the 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 Disney version, and eh, not so much. Um, the Muppet version's pretty good. Like that one, yeah, it kind of gets you. A lot too. of people will tell you that the Muppet version is the best version. Hmm. And I, I mean, I'm too much of a Muppets fan to say anything otherwise. But I don't think I have a second favorite. So, well, I'll say that um, I have seen them. I would, I would say for me, Muppets is second favorite. I, I think hmm, the Al- cool. the Alistair Sims version is my favorite. Um, Muppets is is close second. Um, after that, I mean, uh, gosh, I mean, after that, it's like the Patrick Stewart and George C. Scott versions are pretty like math to me. Um, pretty weak. What about Jim Carrey? Oh my God. Okay. I, I don't think it's good. 
but it's so bonkers that I kind of enjoy it. Like <laughs> I, I watch it because it's um, for the same reason that I'm kind of obsessed with the uh, the Polar Express movie. Because mm. it's just such it's that a, motion capture weirdness. Yeah, yeah, it's so odd. Um, I think Jim Carrey does a fairly good Scrooge. I mean, it's actually mm. surprising. Um, but the the whole thing is just so odd uh, that you know, because the whole time Robert Zemeckis or was all like, "Look, we need Scrooge is gonna like he's gonna go." You know, we, we need it to be like a roller coaster ride. So now he gets really tiny, and a rat's gonna chase him. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, maybe this was better in a theater where it's in 3D, but um, it's a rats gonna chase him. That's like, this is like Kevin Smith talking about how they were like, no, we have have to have a fight scene here, but Superman's dead. Okay, we'll have we'll have Brainiac fight a polar bear. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's exactly what it kind of was like. You know, um, it's. It's just a very, it's an odd thing that seems like, I guess what it is is when you think about it, like a Christmas Carol doesn't really fit the contours of like your typical Hollywood film. You know, you can't really, you don't really map out like a save the cat sort of thing on it, right? Because it's like, there isn't a big fight at the end. It's basically a guy getting scared of his coffin and, and deciding to be good. You know, it's, it's a, it's an odd you know, because it's it's not built for our modern uh, our modern brains. You know, it's not built for people mm. who've been brain poisoned by the Marvel universe or whatever. You're supposed to like be <laughs> reading it as a serial in the newspaper. But um, so when they made the Robert Zemeckis one, it feels like they were like, oh no, no, we're gonna like jam it into that formula, and it's gonna have like a fight scene here, and now we gotta have an action sequence, and it just feels like this. I don't know. It's it's so weird that like um, I think it's uh, it's worth watching just kind of as a um, just to see it, you know, just just to see the elephant, um, which makes it <laughs> better than a lot of other versions, which are just kind of dull, you know, because yeah, it can be it can be very very much a slog in certain things. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's, I guess my second favorite version is Scrooge. Now that I oh, think of it, that is a very good one. That's too. Cause the thing is like a, a Christmas Carol, I think it's a very powerful story. It's you, you read it and it's like, this is, this is brilliant. You know, this is like literally the, you know, uh, Charles Dick is the man who saved Christmas, you know, cause almost um, entirely our, our model of Christmas is based on a Christmas Carol. Yeah. 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 I mean, apparently like the whole, like Christmas was going out of fashion. Like people were like, yeah, fuck this holiday. We don't need it until a Christmas Carol, like basically saved it. And it's, it's a great story. It's literally a story. Like, look, it's a Christmas story. There's no mention of Jesus or Santa Claus. It's about a guy being terrorized by ghosts. And, um, (laughs) the whole point is it's like just a guy being like, oh, I should be nice to people, you know? Um, but it's a it's a good story, and I think it's it's a very and there's a reason it's resonated so much for the last hundred odd years, and why they keep remaking it. But yes. you know, no matter how good the script is, it it if you don't have the right, you know, the actors or the right directorial touch, it's still going to be bad. Which is why, um, yeah, well, that's probably why the Muppet version is one of the better ones. You know, somehow. Yeah. A lot of people just can't quite, they can't quite get it right. You know, that one of the smartest things that the Muppets did was casting Gonzo as Charles Dickens himself. 
That mm. enabled them to get so much of the actual text of the book, so much of Dickens's own scripture, and have lines like how Scrooge was as solitary as an oyster, and like that you just can't get if you're just presenting the events as opposed to the actual, you know, the the words on the paper. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I always thought it was interesting when I saw them up at Christmas Carol the first time that the actual ghosts are not played by any established Muppets. You know? No, I think that's a that was a smart touch on their part, just to make them as close to the actual ghosts as presented in the story as possible. But I think that's, I mean, why would why would a Muppet be a ghost? Unless yeah. they actually were a Muppet ghost. Well, I mean, uh, the Marley is played by uh, Statler and Waldorf, so oh, that's uh, true. So there yeah. is that, but 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 that. But I, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I think suppose that's... that establishing a given Muppet as the ghost of Christmas Present is sort of like you know stamping stamping Gonzo as an alien for this one movie. Yeah, because like, people are going to like, is he still an alien? He's like, nah, he doesn't identify as an alien anymore. <laughs> Well, I think it's because, well, here's the thing, because Marley is an actual, was a human who died and became a ghost, whereas yeah. the the ghosts of Christmas, present, past, and future, they're like concepts, they're personifications, you know? Yes. They never were people who, I mean, oh God, now that we said it, I can just imagine we live in hell world, so someone's going to make the awful Christmas Carol prequel that is, explains who they were before they died, these three ghosts. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Well, you know what? Now we have to do it ourselves just to make sure that we, that it gets done right. That's right. So, um it's going to be a prequel um about how uh, Darth Vader became the uh, ghost of Christmas past and um <laughs> Or I I guess he would be future actually. That that's the best yeah, I guess <laughs> that so, I think yeah. about it. Um but um but yeah so it makes sense that those would not be established muppets uh in the muppet christmas carol and i think you're right i think it, it's a smart move um you're not distracted from the story by you know a, a familiar muppet um yeah which i think is a big problem with the disney version because you know you're like okay yeah um, who's it gonna be who's it gonna be yeah and I mean, like, it's not the Disney version is not terrible. It's still yeah. one of the better versions. Um, Absolutely. It's just, you know, especially um, that they cut it down to half an hour. That's like, that's, that's hard true. to do. Yeah. I mean, I think they do. a f- Yeah. And, and they do a good job of of, you know, cutting, but keeping the, the core of the story. So I still feel like it's fairly affecting, um, you know, uh, it's. I think that's the last time Mickey Mouse was allowed to do anything interesting uh, before he just became <laughs> like an ossified brand logo. Um, but uh, so, you know, it's but um, yeah, but it's like it's it's weird because like in in the Disney version at the end, it's like, oh, Pete is playing the ghost of Christmas future. So that's that ghost is evil, right? Because he's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the question. I mean, the ghost of Christmas future should be forbidding, but not like a threat. Yeah. Cause I don't think he actually like pushes Scrooge into his coffin. I know Scrooge falls into a coffin, but I don't think that's actually, um, I don't think he's helped along 
that way, if I recall no. correctly. And of course, he wasn't in a. In, he's not in a coffin in the in the text of the book. But uh, you have that scene in Mickey's Christmas Carol, and then you also have it in Scrooge, and that made me think that what does does Scrooge actually get burned alive in a coffin at the end of the book? No, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's um, uh, it's. I mean, it's a. I think, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's the it's, the threat of hellfire is yeah. important. It is, though. I think so much of that, when you actually in the book, so much of it is people just talking about Scrooge after he's gone, and I think Scrooge finding mm-hmm. realizing how he'll be remembered. That, like, you know, that once he's gone, it's like, oh, it's in a state to be like divvied up, but that's it. Um, which you know, again, I think is it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's a, a powerful way to look at it to realize like what is, what is the meaning of your life? What does your life amount to? It's like, well, you know, eventually you're gonna, you're gonna be in the ground, right? Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the the Disney version kind of makes it weird because like they imply that like, oh no, Scrooge, you're gonna die. It's like that's not the threat. He, he will no. die, yes. Everyone dies. It's not like being a good person will prevent that outcome. It will happen, you know? But, um, you know, uh, but the other, the, the Muppet version, I think, does it better because you've got, like, you meet the old Joe, the the the, the fence, and the, um, yeah. the other businessmen. So, you know, they really paint the picture of, like, what it actually, you know, of of uh of how people will remember him after he's gone it's not that he's trying to avoid dying he's trying to you know avoid living uh a squandered life you know he's he's yeah, trying to yeah what's the word for what's the word for ego death in the eyes of other people when they remember when they forget you or remember you as something that you weren't oh i don't i don't know if there is a name for that hmm i mean it, that's an interesting concept so i feel like there must be but um hmm. If if you know what the uh, what the name of this concept is, uh, tell us. Yeah, sound off in the in the comments. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean that's actually when you think about it. In some ways, that's kind of uh, even even more frightening, you know, because uh, eventually we all only will exist as memories in other people's memories. <laughs> um, and, and, and even some of us got. And some of us got much better memories than other people's memories yeah. than we deserved. Like Christopher Columbus. Yeah, that's right. You know, what the fuck? What, is, what the fuck? Look at that asshole going around, you know, <laughs> raping people and cutting off their hands. And everyone's like, ah, oh, he's so cool. He just proved the world is round. Which Whatever. nobody thought was true at the time. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's just just because a bunch of like, what is it? Those the but a bunch of Colum like I'm not Colombians. <laughs> a bunch of Italians <laughs> are like, we need a hero. It's like he was the only one you could think of. I mean, there's a uh, really. What? What was Da Vinci too gay for you? Apparently, they were like, no, no, Da Vinci. We don't want them. It's like you know, there's there's a lot of Italian history. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Italians you could pick. I mean, you know. Yeah, like Mussolini. Wait, no, no. Oh, which one? Like Mussolini? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well. (laughs) Um. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, there's there's uh, like um I don't know um uh, Mario Mario. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, Yeah. I was thinking of that too. Yes, not a hero to the Italians, but an Italian, but an Italian-born hero probably. Yeah. Although even if if 
Even if his first great adventure turned out to be in New Donk City. Yeah, or the great Italian hero, Chef Boyardee. (laughs) Well, I mean, he he was pretty cool. I mean, he, he specifically chose to... Have his name spelled phonetically so he could bring a little bit of Italian uh, to uh, to the American dinner table and not just have himself be called, I don't know, Chef Cook or some crap like yeah, that. Yeah, you know what? He is kind of cool. We should celebrate him. Instead of Columbus Day, Chef Boyardee Day. That's what, yeah. Well, you know, no, let's keep it. It's very easy to day. celebrate Chef Boyardee. Yeah, we're going to have a new day so dedicated to Chef Boyardee. We're all just going to eat um, SpaghettiOs. And think about it. It's like uh, every family in America loves SpaghettiOs. They're easy to make. And um, yeah, there we go. Uh, A true um, Italian and probably American hero, too. Yep. And the best part about Chef Boyardee is that if you get all three kinds of dinosaurs on your spoon, you win. 